today on the Zabecast. Well, 4th of July is come and gone. Let me check one, two, two. Ten fingers. Mission accomplished. The Nats are probably toast, so now the big drama will become Bryce Harper. Thailand soccer cave rescue update. I got some thoughts on extradition and why penis chopping should just be attempted murder. Give me your precious 40 minutes or so, and I will not disappoint. Let's buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Thursday, July 5th, 2018. Hope you had a great 4th of July and that nothing went wrong. And not just went wrong when it comes to fireworks, obviously, but there are other injuries that can occur when you're out having fun on 4th of July, even when you least expect it. For example, at the uh, little gathering we had at my house, uh, there was uh, one of our friends as a teenage son who's pretty athletic. He runs track, but he's also pretty good at basketball. He brought, brought with him two other friends, and they said, Mr. Zabin, can you move the truck? We'd like to shoot baskets. I was like, sure, boys. This old basketball hoop hasn't seen any action in a long time. Seemed like a good idea at the time. I, I wanted a big, full-blown, Gorilla glass backboard, raise it, lower it backboard for my own driveway, which has plenty of space. Never shoot on it. I know, it's just totally, horribly lame of me. But yeah, so the boys are like, let's play basketball. And we want to shoot baskets. So I was like, okay, great. I move the truck, I get the ball, I'm so, and I say, all right, guys, have a great time. And they look at me like, no, no, because we need you to play two-on-two. <laughs> and I thought, okay, what am I going to do? Say, nah, too old, too fat, too lazy, too tired, too drunk, what? Am I going to be lame or am I going to play basketball with the boys? Of course, I'm going to go play a little two-on-two. I have not played pickup basketball in a long time. I want to say it's been at least at least 10, probably 15 years. Probably early 2000s. I used to belong to a, a, a gym, that uh, a club. A club? A gym? Yeah. Uh, sporting, the sporting... Uh, what do they call it? Uh, the sports club? The sporting club? Um, why can't I remember the name right now? Either way, it was one of the few gyms you could uh, be a member of that had a basketball court. It was a short court. It wasn't that long. wasn't that wide. It was probably an 80% court, at least the way that they ran it. They could rearrange it to run full court, but it, you, know, you didn't need that. And there was a lunchtime game, an old man game. Which, hell, 15 years ago, I didn't think of myself as an old man. I was 35 years old, and I was like, okay, I can run up and down the court and not worry about blowing something out. But I haven't played really competitive, like, let's play basketball. Okay, I'm guarding you. Okay, I'm uh, jumping, uh, all that stuff in, in, in a long time. So here I was, not wanting to look like a bitch, not wanting to tell these kids, ah, sorry, the fat old man can't play. I didn't go change my sneakers. I had on my my slip-on Skechers, which are wonderful, comfortable, super lightweight shoes with no laces because laces are for suckers. Who wants to sit there, oh, I'm tying up my laces? And like Polly Walnuts once pointed out in The Sopranos, hey, you take that into a bathroom and the, you get the laces all dragging in the urine and the piss and the shit and everything. 
<laughs> People were like, hey, Paulie, we're eating here. So, yeah, I, I proudly wear Skechers. I have no shame about it whatsoever. They're great shoes. I own several pairs, all of them slip-ons because laces are for suckers. But they're not, they're not good for basketball. They don't have any lateral support whatsoever. The, you know, they're, they're a danger to completely spraining, if not breaking your ankle. So I'm out there and I'm playing the best I can, trying not to sprain my ankle, trying to uh, have some cardiovascular effort uh, whatsoever, trying to just make sure, you know, I didn't hurt myself. And of course, these young punk kids, they were, you know, they were, they were hitting every shot, like layups, hit them all, uh, jumpers, hit them all. And I was like, you guys play on the team in high school? They're like, nah, we're going to try out next year. So they, they were not even good white kid country basketball players. They're just teenagers that, you know, play basketball and are athletic. So at one point, one of the two kids uh, decides, like, let's, can we lower the rim? I'm like, yeah, of course. That's what that crank is on the back of the backboard for. I said, why don't you lower it to eight foot and start, you know, doing some dunks? Ah, eight's too low. We'll do it on nine. I go, oh, you can dunk on a nine foot rim, huh? They're like, yeah, watch. We did it. I, I did it while you were inside the house. I go, okay. Well, let me see it. So the kid takes a running start at at the hoop, goes up for a tomahawk jam, a Dr. J special and ends up getting stuffed by the rim. Just totally stymied, completely Dikembe Mutombo'd, you know, one of those ones where you're like, yeah, get! <laughs> he then falls down awkwardly to the ground, kind of glancing off of one leg, but then falling straight back onto his back and his shoulder and skidding a short distance on the hard concrete pavement, not concrete, the hard asphalt driveway pavement. It hurt me just watching him do that. And my next thought was, holy shit, am I going to get sued here? Hope not. He gets up and he's like, ah, he wasn't crying or anything, but he was clearly in pain and he was kind of rubbing parts of his arm and his back. And I'm like, are you all right? Yeah. And I didn't want to run over and baby him because this was not my kid. I just had met him as this party began. And I was, I was kind of standing up I'm like, all right, all right, all right, rub it off, man. See, I told you. Should have gone eight feet, maybe eight feet, six inches, something like that. Nah, he's like, ah, ah. And that's just another example of it's not just fireworks that can fuck you up on 4th of July. It's doing stuff that you think, ah, I got this, I got this. I'll dunk on nine foot, wham, land on my back. Later in the night, I see my daughter and my niece playing basketball. Gently, not like teenage boys, but they're just kind of going through the motions, little one-on-one action. In their bare feet. Oh, my God. That was a cheap... Oh, sorry, that's not the bite. Good God! First of all, I'm a total tenderfoot. I'm a guy that's like, if I feel one little prickly blade of grass, I'm like, ah, ah, oh, where's my socks? Where's my shoes? Where's my socks? Where's my shoes? Total tenderfoot. I can't stand going barefoot. I know people that are the exact opposite. They can walk through the woods barefoot like it's no big deal. Anyway, so they're playing basketball barefoot, and all I could think about, and I, I, I felt like being a father saying, hey, you know, you kid, you can put on some shoes. They didn't care about the fact that there was, oh, little rocks out there on the driveway, little pieces of firecrackers and other fireworks we had blown off that had 
somehow infiltrated the court. Uh, grass, stains, cracks, you name it. Not to mention the fact that if you actually make a sharp movement in your bare feet and you don't put your foot down just correct, oh, you can catch your toes, you can <laughs> skeeve me out. So I just said, okay, well, be careful. And I turned around and I left. Thankfully, they too were not in any way hurt. Okay. Let's get on with the Zabecast. I almost took today off, just so you know this. I almost took today off. I thought, ah, oh, man, I've still got a bit of a hangover from 4th of July and the party, and nothing's going on, and, you know, I'm not making any money on this. I don't have a boss on the Zabecast. They're not going to go, uh, tap, tap, where were you today? Today was supposed to be a, a Zabecast day. I almost took the day off. I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. I'll just... I'll put out a Friday show, excuse me. I'll put out a Friday show and uh, be done with it and go, yeah, I got two days off for 4th of July on the Zabecast. But then something in me said, nah, no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. You should do a show. Now, I don't have a guest book for today, so that is kind of lazy. But some of you say that actually they you enjoy the just solo Zabecasts as much as, if not more than, having a guest on in the middle. So if that is the case, well, you're in luck because it's just me today. Generally speaking, I will do this Zabecast on whatever days I am normally broadcasting, which already you're groaning because you're like, you get too much vacation anyway. Okay, I'll grant you that. But still, if I'm going to be broadcasting today, I'm going to be Zabecasting today. So here we are. So let's get to it. Who wants to talk baseball? What's that? Nobody? Just indulge me here for a second. My Nationals lost their seventh game in a row, a 3-0 blanking at the hands of the Boston Red Sox en route to an interleague sweep over this first half of the week that has now dropped my Nats to third place in the East. Hadn't dropped them to third place. They've been in third place now for a week. But it drops them further back in the East in third place, Seven games behind Atlanta, your division leader, and more importantly, still four and a half games back of the Philadelphia Phillies. Four and a half, seven, one point five, five and a half, five and a half back of Philadelphia on this Thursday morning for the second wild card as it currently stands. They're fucked. Like, let's not even let's stop beating around the bush here. This team is fucked. They are not winning the division, and they are almost certainly not going to the playoffs. How can you say that, man? You know, baseball's a long season. Da, 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 da. They have never won a division. They, they, they've won the division the Nats have three times in the last five years. They have all been walkaways. Walkaways, in which basically after the first month of the season, they were leading, and that was it. The rest of the division just collapsed and started rotting like a dead fish. And the Nats are like, la, 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 la. They have never rallied to come back and win the division. Now, maybe they will this time. And maybe this players-only meeting will be the key to it. I doubt it. Bryce Harper, our quote-unquote star. We're a good team, and we're going to get out there and compete with anybody, said Harper, who went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. 
We've just got to keep grinding and keep doing our thing and good things will happen. We've never been in this position before and I think it's an exciting time for us. In years past, we've won the division by a lot of games. We're able to be behind right now and I'm excited to get there and test it. Yeah. The meeting was called for by a handful of veterans. Staff ace Max Scherzer made a powerful speech that occasionally got loud, according to the Washington Post. Said Adam Eaton, I think anytime Max holds this meeting or holds court, there's going to be some yelling. In baseball, you don't have that type of intensity all the time, so it's a little different. I think guys gravitate toward that. I think everyone's got a kind of intensity and intensity bone in their body, and sometimes things need to be said in that fashion. Okay. Eaton then said, I think a lot of guys are a lot of guys are approaching it as this is good for us. We needed to take our lumps now and play some meaningful games. Hopefully we can scrape and claw and really find out what kind of team we have here. Reliever Matt Grace added, We're gonna play free, we're gonna play loose, and I think we're gonna play for each other until we turn it around. Yeah, well that you might run out of games at this point. I know you still got half a season to go, but still. It's not easy just to say, oh, seven-game deficit? Well, I'll turn that around in no time. Trey Turner, quote, it's a let's get this thing going. We all know we're capable of playing better baseball. It's time we do it. It's do or die now. <sighs> Would have been good a month ago, this meeting. If, if these meetings worked, then they'd have them every week. If these players-only meetings actually did anything, then you'd have one at the start of the year to make sure you treated Game 1 as importantly as Game 162 when you're in a one-game pennant race. All the games count the same, in theory. And don't get into it with me about, well, technically late-season games have higher leverage because of what may be the case in the standings and... Even though they count the same, they're not the same pressure or leverage. They still all count the same. These players-only meetings don't work. In fact, they don't work 100% of the time, but they are credited with working about 10% of the time when by some stroke of magic or luck or whatever, a team that holds a players-only meeting ends up... um, rallying and then winning their division or winning their champion, whatever. Players-only meetings are only good in retrospect to go, see, you know, it was looking grim, and then we had that players-only meeting. My former colleague, Chris Cooley, once said, on the air and off, he said, player-only meetings are the dumbest fucking things ever. He didn't say fucking on the air. He said they were the dumbest things ever. He said he couldn't, he said he actually took notes, he showed, he showed me some of his notebooks because he kept meticulous notebooks when he was playing in the NFL during meetings, which I'm sure is something not very many players do. Probably why Cooley lasted as long as he did and made several Pro Bowls despite not having the most dominating physical talent. He paid attention. He took good notes. Uh, Cooley took notes during the players-only meetings and was like just laughing at the shit that was said and the way it was said and who said it. It's the equivalent of throwing your empty gun without bullets at the guy shooting at you. Maybe you'll catch him in the head, knock him out, and then you go run and grab his gun and shoot him dead. Yeah, I was out of bullets. It was looking bad. He had bullets. I didn't. I was behind a barrel. He was behind a barrel. We kept 
popping up and shooting and popping up and shooting. And the next thing you know, I'm out of bullets. Click, 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 click. He still got him. What am I going to do? I jumped up and I threw my gun at him and I hit him right in the face. And then he fell down and got knocked out and I ran over and uh, killed him. Yay. We'll see if this one takes hold. I doubt it. Meanwhile, the Bryce Harper saga is going to take front and center stage here in D.C. going forward. And that's with good reason, because he was tabbed to be, was projected as, and a couple years ago when he was winning the MVP, was being talked about as the first half a billion dollar player in Major League Baseball. Five hundred million dollar contract. Since then, the flames of that have been turned down to just, well, $400 million for sure. Even though that has never been seen before either in Major League Baseball. And given the fact that the Marlins have already regretted and then shipped out of town, Giancarlo Stanton and his $340 million deal or something like that, and the changing, evolving economics of baseball and the changing, evolving uh, evaluations of baseball... I would say that uh, it's quite possible Bryce Harper is not going to see anywhere close to what he thought he would. Even more interesting is the fact that Davey Martinez, our manager, or Dave, however you want to call it, I've heard it both ways and I'm not kidding when I say it this time, manager Davey Martinez of the Joe Madden School of being a player's manager. Everyone loves Davey Martinez, right? All the players do. Davey Martinez allowed... Uh, Bryce Harper to take extra reps, take extra ground balls at first base the other night. Wait a minute. That was nothing that that was a completely pointless thing to do. Before the game, Harper took ground balls at first base, writes Tom Boswell. It's a whim because the Nats have zero use for him there. It's in center field that shagging balls might have been a purpose, but under feel good, let's talk about it, Martinez, whims are not ignored, such as Ryan Zimmerman skipping all but two at-bats of spring training. Or, or Murphy not playing more than a month after doctors said there was no physical reason he couldn't. For weeks, Martinez made it clear that Murphy was trying to work his way through a mental block, not a physical issue. The whims, the whims, the whims of the stars have been catered. In fact, as Boswell points out, the Stars have failed. In his past 65 games, Harper is hitting 197. Over the last five years, Harper ranked 17th in the majors in Fangraph's wins above replacement, or war, at 20.2. Now, 17th is not, not bad You're amongst the better players in the majors, amongst the best. But the 20.2 war, according to Fangraph's, is exactly one-half of the war of Mike Trout. If that seems harsh, writes Boswell, well, so be it. It is what it is. Now, where could he play first base if he... Oh, possibly the New York Yankees. So, in other words, you've got a team that is sinking like a rock in a a division that was supposed to be Drek once again. With a ball club that let uh, Frank, not Frank Robinson, that let, uh, boy, I'm having a hard time. I got fireworks brain today. It must be the uh, the gunpowder residue still 
in my nostrils and in my brain. The team that left that let Dusty Baker walk because they basically lowballed him on an offer. And they brought in a rookie. Now, first of all, you can't just say, well, this is what rookie managers do. Uh, Boswell made that mistake in, it, <clears throat> in his piece today. He said, manager Dave, Dave Martinez illustrates the price you pay for hiring a rookie manager, any rookie, to do on-the-job training with a built-to-win team. Well, that doesn't hold any water because Boston did the same thing. They have a rookie manager in Alex Cora. It's just he's a different rookie. And yes, Boston is also loaded and built to win. They're just a better baseball organization. But we digress. So for the Nats to get out of this hole, writes Boswell, uh, the four and a half games around the Phillies for the second wild card spot, now five and a half. That usually takes two months to a race if you are very good, writes Boswell. To reach 90 wins, which is usually the threshold that will put you in the playoffs, they must go 48-30 and 30 over the stretch, which is over 600 baseball. Gulp, writes Boswell. So the thing about Harper, which is interesting, is that you had a case where he didn't want to talk extension, or at least the numbers he was hearing were not to his liking. And we talked about this with Mr. X on the Zabecast before. And that is, what do you do with a guy that you're ready to give a lot of money to, but he doesn't want to sign that deal for more money right now because he thinks he can get even more money later? How deep into that process do you go? Well, the Nats decided they were going to go all the way to the end of the yellow brick road. They were going to let him play into this, his final walk season. And I guess their plan was hope to win him over at some point. Hope that uh, he, I don't know, signs a less than $400 million deal. I'm not sure what their hope was. But now we got a case where Harper is probably grinding and probably struggling because he sees his dollar value decreasing in front of his eyes as he heads into his free agency year. You got a manager who is kissing every player's ass and going, oh, you want to take ground balls at first price? Go ahead, sure. When a real manager would have said, no, no, fuck that. Go shag in center, which is where we could use you if we need you. Uh, you're not going to take ground balls at first. And a front office that I have a hard time believing they're going to be in a bidding war to keep Bryce Harper. Boo! Too much baseball talk. Okay, we're done. We're done with baseball talk. Let's talk about something even... Let's talk about maybe the best story out there right now. And by best, I mean it's a potential tragedy in the making, although hopefully it's going to have a miraculous and wonderful ending. And that is the soccer team trapped in the Thailand cave. Thailand is a country that has a numerous cave system underground. (laughs) This is a crazy gut-wrenching, hopefully not heartbreaking story that has, I think, all of us just scratching our heads like, what the fuck? If you haven't heard of it by now, then you're not on the internet, which is fine. You don't have to be on the internet. You don't have to know everything. A young boys soccer team, ages 11 to 12 or thereabouts, I went on a hike after their soccer practice in Thailand. And they went on a hike through a underground cave system. Yeah, what kind of cave system is above ground? Shut up. Shut up, alternate me. They went into a they, they went for a walk in a in a in a cave tunnel. 
That the same. They went. They went for a walk in some caves in Thailand as a after practice exercise bonding. I I still haven't read fully why they did this. As they are walking in these underground caves, I know. As they're walking in these caves, the water flooding monsoon season in Thailand. And the water levels come up and it blocks their open air exit from the caves. Holy shit. They're missing for like a week. So it takes the Thai division of their Navy SEALs. I don't know if they're as good as ours. I doubt it. But they're probably pretty good. Some other underwater dive and rescue teams. Some special cave rescue teams. Yes, there is such a thing. They find the group of boys and their coach. And they get them supplies and they're like, holy shit, we found you. Okay, we're going to get you out of here. Now they're like, uh, how are we going to get them out of here? Because according to the reports, the technical challenge to teach these kids how to do a technical cave dive with equipment, dive equipment, regulators, breathers, um, you know, vests, tanks, all that stuff. They've never, 12-year-olds, I know 12-year-olds dive, but this is big-time stuff. Oh, we're going to give you dive le- diving lessons here in this cave, in this murky, floody, wa- flooded creek water in Thailand, and then we're going to we're going to put a rope line, and we're just going to we're going to guide you safely out of the cave. And all you got to do is just don't panic, just follow you know follow the rope line, you know hold my hand, breathe normally, don't worry about this, da 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 da, da and you'll make it out. Not so easy. Apparently, some of the dive out requires no tank. So in other words, there might be a stretch of like, I don't know, 50 feet where you've got to swim through a passageway that is barely bigger than your body. Underwater, totally in the dark, no tank. You got to hold your breath for like 50 feet and swim through it with tides coming in and out and coral and rock around you. You got to teach these kids. A number of these kids apparently didn't even know how to swim. They're teaching them how to swim and teaching them how to use diving techniques. This is crazy. Uh, They say that there's more monsoon flooding coming and that if they don't get them out here in the next week or so, they may be looking at, may be looking at four months in a cave. I know two things. One, as long as every kid makes it out alive and okay, they're going to make a movie of this. They might even make a movie of it if some of the kids don't make it. Although, generally speaking, you want your feel-good movies to not have any elements of, oh, that sucks. Why? That's horrific. Why would I go watch a movie where that happens? If they get everyone out safely, then it's, it's a movie. That's number one. And number two, that soccer coach is so getting fired. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, I thought this would be a nice uh, little uh, exercise for the kids. You're a soccer coach. You're not a spelunker. What are you doing taking 12 boys deep into these caves where they got stuck because of the water coming out? Speaking of getting guys out, we might be getting old Kim.com in the States to let him feel the wrath of our legal system. 
You don't know who Tim dot, dot, you don't know who Kim.com is? No idea who that is. Okay, do a little research. Come on. I can't keep you up on everything. Well, that's why I listen to this Abecast. Okay, fine. Kim.com is a flamboyant internet entrepreneur who created the biggest website in the world around 2005 called MegaUpload.com. What did MegaUpload.com do? It took a bunch of movies and music and put it on a server and said, here, come get all this shit for free. First run movies, albums, you name it, come get it. He set up his servers in New Zealand and took up residency there. And of course, the big powers, big Hollywood, big music, big movies, oh, they came after him. Oh, yeah. They weren't going to let this guy ruin their entire business model by free uploads of movies online. Remember, this is 2005, thereabouts. Mega Upload raked in at least $175 million, mainly from people using it to illegally download songs, television shows, and movies. I don't know their business model. I don't know if you had to subscribe or if it was ad-based or a small fee. I, I don't know. But, yeah, he was making bank. Kim.com argues he can't be held responsible for others who chose to use his site for illegal purposes. Yes, that is sort of like the the bong shop that sells uh, spiced tobacco up front and a bunch of bunch of bongs and accessories and scales and baggies and whatnot. Oh, no, no, no. We're just, if you just want to upload stuff legally, if like, you know, kid's birthday party, you can put that on mega upload and send it around. Oh, no, the latest Transformers movie? No, no, we can't put that here. His model was, hey, man, wasn't me. It's just a site. People use it illegally. I, you know, talk to them. I can't be held responsible. This has been wrang- There's been legal wrangling trying to get his ass out of New Zealand for a long time. Born in Germany, his real name is Kim Schmitz. He went by .com, though, which is pretty badass. Kim.com. Big fat guy. Big fat guy. Short crew cut. Looks like an evil villain. Great nickname. Kim.com. Made a ton of, ton of money. Had this insanely huge mansion in New Zealand. And was pretty much giving a middle finger to the entire world and the internet world going, fuck you, what are you going to do, come get me? Huh, guess what? They finally got him. Since the, uh, should the latest decision stand to allow for extradition, Justice Minister Andrew Little of New Zealand will have the final say on whether .com actually is extradited. He told reporters he would wait until .com has exhausted all of his legal appeals of this latest decision to say yes. The international court or the court in New Zealand said yes. U.S., you can have them. Said Judge Little or Justice Minister Little, quote, extradition is a major thing. It's an incredible erosion of someone's liberties. So it is right that we take the time and effort for the legal decision to be correct, before I, as Justice of Minister, uh, Minister of Justice, get to make that decision. Yeah, it's hard as fuck to get somebody extradited. Roman Polanski, we can't get his ass out of Europe, wherever he is, to come face charges of child rape, of all things. Uh, Julian Assange and uh, the Wiki... No, he is the WikiLeaks guy. Julian Assange and uh, Edward Snowden. You know, other governments, they don't... I think other governments don't really like to be in the business of catching other people's snitches and handing them over. 
I can't remember the last guy that was extradited successfully, where you are free and a free citizen in another country, and then that country says, sorry, knock, knock, somebody wants you. I think it's partly because if partly because if you start getting in the business of saying, "Oh, you want this guy who's living here? Yeah, we'll round him up. We'll send some bad guys with some guys with guns. I guess they'd be good guys. We'll send some government guys with guns and we'll go get them. We'll go get them, we'll send them to you." Once you start doing that and you start saying, "Okay, sure. I'm in the business of that." Then every country is going to go, "Hey, cuz do you know how many bad actor countries or a pseudo-bad actor. Do you know how many people China would love for us to extradite back home for this, that, or the other? It uh, would not be good. And then, I guess, once you try to extradite somebody, and they know that you're coming for them, and you know that once you get back to your own country, whether it's the U.S. or somewhere else, that you are completely and totally fucked. <laughs> no, no, we just want to bring you back for a trial, and we will weigh the evidence fairly. And if it turns out that you're innocent, you'll be a free man. Right. Fuck that. I ain't going home. So I would imagine a lot of extradition cases, guys that realize this is it, they're coming for me. Yeah, they they hole up like uh, Al Pacino in the final scene of Scarface with a big pile of cocaine, as many guns as they have, and a feeling of, well, this is it. I will die before they let me drag me out of this country. Oh, here's a good one. Anyone for severed penis? What did you... What the hell did you just say? I gave you the the, the headline right there. Anyone for severed penis? I guess this still happens from time to time. Dateline Bangkok. Another Thailand story. Wife says she sliced off cheating husband's penis, then threw it out the window. Good. Yeah. Nice. Karuna Sanusan carried out the bloody attack on her 40-year-old boyfriend, Sirapan, after discovering he was having an affair. She said that she got him aroused uh, in the morning and then decided uh, to take a butcher knife to it. And there's a picture of the... Yeah, golly. I mean, any knife. You could you could take a paring knife if it's long enough. And if you do a good knife, just... Ugh. Wow. She took a big old... That, that's that, that kind of knife right there is the kind of knife that you, you, you chop an entire leg in half of like a small calf or something. Some butcher's meat. It's a, it's a butcher's knife. It's a, it's, a, it's a cleaver, basically. It's giant. Police arrived along with rescue staff to found the man to find the man severely injured. From the initial investigation, it was discovered that the husband and wife had a career together selling vegetables. Eh, not no more. They don't. There'd be one vegetable that she could sell one time only. Oh, she had an idea that he was seeing other women, and she took revenge. The man had lost a lot of blood. He's now under close medical supervision. He'll made ev- he will never be able to use his penis in the same way again. Uh, doctors did. Find the penis outside in the dirt. Oh. Put it in a cooler, took it to the hospital to have surgeons try to reattach it, but medics said it was too late. It would not be possible. 
Doctors said the cells in the penis are dead as it's been out of his body for too long. He'll be disabled for the rest of his life. Well, we gave you the story of the bionic penis the other day. And so maybe this guy will be a good candidate for a bionic penis. Who knows? Anyone for penis? I don't know why that uh, this shouldn't be attempted murder. I don't know what the laws are in Thailand, obviously. I know their caves are very tricky. I've learned that. But it should just be attempted murder. Like, seriously. They said that the woman was calm. She was pictured by reporters sitting calmly as she was interviewed by police. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of uh, Ms. Karuna Senosan right now. She seems, she has that unmistakable look of, yeah, I'm kind of happy I did this. And I'm not afraid for my life. Wow. It should just be attempted murder is what it should be. Hashtag me too. How are we doing on time? All right, I got about five more minutes here. I've enjoyed it today. I'm not sure if you guys have. I hope so. I did show up to work for today, so at least give me that credit, will you? Uh, let's see, one more. Oh, Andres Cantor. Goal! Goal! This is the, you know, once again, for another year. Goal! 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 <laughs> I never get tired of it. He is the Gus Johnson of soccer. Although the original Gus Johnson of soccer. New York Times has a long feature on uh, Q&A, an interview with Andres Cantor about his style and how he came up you know, announcing the sport and everything else. He's Argentinian, oh, by the way. Um, here's a couple of Q&As. Question, how do you translate the energy of a match into your commentary? Cantor, the idea is to have the people on the edge of their seats to play the game alongside the players. The idea is not only to yell out, goal, I just try to get people enthused at least, those who are not hardcore soccer fans. Well, he does a great job because apparently a lot of people, the the World Cup ratings for Spanish language Univision have been remarkably strong. I don't know if they're greater than the Fox numbers. They might be, as a matter of fact. And they've been finding out that there's a number of people who watch the Univision and Andres Cantor broadcast of the World Cup that don't know a lick of Spanish. And I would say that at times I'm the same guy. I don't really need to know the names of all the players or the commentary. I just want to hear through the inflection of Andres Cantor's voice whether or not this particular run by a player or a team like, is this going to turn into something, or is this just lollygagging up the field in a ho-hum, non-interesting probe of the defense? Cantor's voice will tell you that. Question to Andres Cantor, what do you think about the tournament moving to 48 teams instead of 32 in 2026? Cantor, quote, I think they are killing the sport. This World Cup might prove me wrong in terms of teams that are getting to the quarters, but we still don't but we still have to really take a look inside and see why the big teams are failing. I don't like the World Cup with 48 teams. I think 32 is plenty. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to play. As a a super casual World Cup fan every four years, I don't know if I'll like it more with 48 or less. It's sort of like like the NCAA tournament. I, I, I don't like it disfigured as it is right now at 68. I don't. 
64 is fine. And you know coaches in college basketball, oh, they want more teams. They want more teams in the NCAAs. It's job security for them. Question, your preference is to watch soccer in the Spanish language, but do you watch any sport in English? Cantor. I watch sports regardless of the language. I like to watch the NBA on TNT. I love the way they do the studio shows. I'm a big fan of Charles Barkley, I bet. He didn't say that. I'm just putting that in there. I like to watch boxing and tennis. I don't like baseball or American football that much. Eh, that's fine. Question, have you ever had to play down your Argentine accent? Never, he says. I will never do so. I am a proud I am proud of my Argentine accent. After all, I live in Miami, and on a given day, I can switch from Colombian Spanish to Cuban Spanish to Puerto Rican Spanish to Central American Spanish. Whoa! Hold on, time out. Mind blown. There's all those different flavors? Is it more than just a dialect or an accent? Are there different words? In Colombian Spanish versus Cuban Spanish versus Puerto Rican Spanish? Do they teach it differently? Like, wow! Cantor goes on to say, I have a little bit of an accent from everywhere in Latin America, but if you get me mad, you will hear my best Argentine Spanish. Wow. Okay. That is fascinating. All right, let's put a wrap on it today. We'll end with this. Of course, of course, of course, this would be a real headline in today's bizarro world times. Stormy Daniels' lawyer says, quote, I will run for president if no one with a real chance, quote unquote, challenges Trump in 2020. (laughs) Of course, of course, of course. Michael Avenatti. The lawyer representing Stephanie Clifford, more widely known as Stormy Daniels, the porn star who said she had an affair with the president, said he will run for prez in 2020 if there's no other suitable challenger to Donald Trump. He tweeted that only a street fighter has a chance at displacing the king. If, parentheses big, he seeks re-election, I will run, but only if I think there is no other candidate in the race that has a real chance at beating him. We can't relive 2016. I love this country, our values, and our people too much to sit by while they are destroyed. (laughs) Everyone remembers the utter clown car and the clown show that was the Republican side of the nominating process during the primaries where they had, what, was it 16 wide at some point? All the marginal characters that came out of the woodwork. was Herman Herman Cain was two cycles ago. Mr. 10, 10, 10 guy, or 10, 20, 10, or 30, 50, 90, I, I, whatever his plan was. But, I mean, it was a freak show last time around. I can imagine. I can imagine it might be the same thing on the Democrat side in 2020. Buckle up for that. That'll be a wrap for today. We got it. We did it. We're done. Just me and you talking. I love it. Thank you for listening. Tell two friends. Hit up that Reddit thread about how great I am and this Savecast is. Leave a positive review and rating. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets. As you know, always remember when you think your fireworks are out and not going to catch fire again, check another time and bring a bucket of water because they probably are still smoldering. 
Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back, because it's summertime.